The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, let's pray and we'll get into the word. God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, your word says, Father, that the Holy Spirit would come, Lord, to teach us and lead us into the truth. So we pray that we would help, uh, be helped to understand the word, not just mentally, Lord, but even in our own hearts, God, to bring change. Lord, that we would be doers of the word and not just hearers only. We thank you for it. Amen. All right, so we are going to talk about loving your enemies uh, and that is uh, the title of this message is love your enemies and other things that Jesus didn't really mean. Right? I actually posted that online as the sermon title and immediately started getting people saying, what are you talking about? What's going on? I had people uh, posting on my thing, this is the work of the devil and all this stuff. And my wife's like, you need to take that down. <laughs> I'm like, well, hold on a minute. I'm not quite ready to take it down because I'm trying to make a point. I'm trying to get people to stop and slow down and think about something, and sometimes it's okay to get into somebody's head a little bit, their emotions a little bit, so they'll stop and pause and say, do I really believe what I say I believe? Do I really live what I say that I believe? Is that really happening in my life? And so, uh, love your enemies is something that Jesus said to do, and I would just ask you this. If I was to come and take your phone right now, just randomly pick three or four people out of the audience, and I was to go through your social media... And I was to just come up and just read aloud your posts about people that you disagree with. Just randomly. People that you disagree with. Either your comments on their posts or just to go grab your thing and just read your posts about them. Whether that's uh, somebody in your neighborhood, somebody in your school, whether that's teachers or whether that's a politician or whether that's whoever. But I was just to come and to look at that and just say, okay, I'm going to get up front and read that. Is there anything that would make you uncomfortable? Hey, well, don't take my phone. Hold on, wait a minute. This is private. I got a password. Now, let me go to the next level. What if that person had responded to someone else's invitation to come to church and find the love of God? And they walked in, and they sat down, and they turned around, and you come up to share something from the stage to, to get the mic to share a word because we do that sometimes we pass it around and let people share and you stand up to share and turn around and there's that person that you had posted about or done whatever about would they still feel the love of God and if you were the one to give the altar call or to talk to them about Jesus and to invite them forward what would their feeling be that's just social media. I can tell you years ago I had this type of experience in real life. There was a guy that was doing some work for us, and it had gone months beyond what it was supposed to. It was a disaster. Total disaster. And he was supposed to be helping us, and he comes, and it's way past, and we paid all these other people to come, and then we had people helping us move, and we were moving into this place, and all this stuff was going on. It had been months and months and months. We had a notice in on our old house. We had to move out. We're moving into the new house. We get there because it was done as promised, months after it's supposed to be done. And I have a truck, and all the people are pulling up. I get out to walk in the door, and it's not done. 
Like, we're literally trying to, it's not done. Like, there's not cupboards hung. There's like, this is not done. Now, we're not talking like they didn't just finish some trim paint. Like, this isn't done. And I have nowhere to live. I got all these people moving stuff in. And I'm like, and I'm supposed to sign the paper saying it's done so we can have the key. And I got nowhere to go. So he wasn't my enemy, but he was certainly not my best friend at the moment. And I would just say I lost, I lost my uh, testimony. Let's say that, Kyle. How's that? I lost it for a minute. Chewed him out, told him what I thought about his business and his practices and all this stuff. And I was justified because I already had months of patience and I was just so mad. So I just laid it out. Felt good about it. Went to bed feeling good about it. Don't go to bed on your anger, right? But boy, it was comfortable to sleep on that night, Art. It felt good. About a week later, I walk up to, I'm in church and I walk up to the front. And I look out and this guy's visiting church. Somebody had invited him. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm in trouble. Not because what he did was wrong or wasn't wrong. It's because of how I handled it was, right? And so Jesus is talking about loving our enemies because we represent him to people. The Bible talks to us about Jesus, and it says, it talks about how God interacts with us, right? It says what his kindness leads us to what? Repentance. Okay. Does our life actually look like what he said is something that he meant. Do we live that way? We read it, we preach it, we talk about it, but do we live that way? Do we love our enemies? Now, what does the word love mean? Well, in the Bible, when it's talking about love in this context, if you actually look the word up, it's actually talking about a love that favors and prefers and wants to bless and that cares for and even enjoys the other person. Well, how do you do that? How do you do that with somebody that you feel is against you? Someone that's offended you? Someone that's hurt you? That's a challenge. Sometimes it's hard to do that with people that we already know are our friends, right? That we already care about. But he calls us to actually have this desire to actually want to bless them, to want to love them. Well, that can only come from one source. We talked about last week living water, right? That the living water of the Holy Spirit comes in us and works in us. The Bible says to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So God actually works in us to start to have a desire to do the things that he wants us to do. But it has to come from him. We talked about last week that that means devotional time, getting into our word, reading, praying, letting the Holy Spirit work in us, letting God's spirit be in our lives, be in his presence so that he begins to change our heart and our actions towards people. And then it begins to flow out of us, right? It's not just effort. Okay, I'm going to try to be nice. No, it's spending time with the source so that it begins to flow out of our life. Okay, but this is what the Bible's talking about. And if you really believe it, then it should show up in our lives. So here's a couple of verses. We're actually going to get into this. This is Matthew chapter 5, 43, 44. This is Jesus' words. He says, Have you heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy? But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So the issue here that Jesus is saying at first, it, this first saying, this first line was already a challenge to people. Love your neighbor. Jesus talked about that at other times. Somebody said, love your neighbor. And somebody said, well, who's my neighbor? Like, what do you mean? Why? Because they didn't want to be too inconvenienced, right? Like, well, what do you mean by love my neighbor? Is it just the guy right next to me? Or are you talking about my neighborhood? Like, what do you mean? And Jesus starts telling the story. He tells the story of the Good Samaritan and helping people that are in need. And if you see someone and you 
are going to interact with them, interact with them in a way of love and consider them your neighbor. Love them, care for them, have hospitality. It was putting people in a place of inconvenience and be making them uncomfortable in their life, causing them to have to sacrifice space and be hospitable. That was already a challenge. People were having trouble dealing with that. And that's why he repeats it to everyone. He says, oh, you've heard that this was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. He says, but I tell you to love your enemies, prefer them, want to bless them, want to see good in their life. Pray for those who persecute you. Now, I know that within the church, within Christian circles, it's very common to pray against those who persecute us. It's very common. Well, we pray to bind them, and we pray to cast them down, and we pray for them to be removed, and we pray for God to raise up a standard against them. We pray all these things against people that we feel are against us, against our values, against our thoughts, against our positions, whatever it is. But we pray all these things, like, Lord, just put a stop to them. God, bring them down. Lord, replace them. That's not what this says. It says to pray for them in the context of this verse in love. Pray for their blessing. Pray for their families. Pray for their health. Pray that God would touch their life, that God would bring his wisdom into their life, that God would bring his care into their life, that God would put people around them to bring uh, uh, just a sense of his, of his purpose into their life. Maybe their views are totally wrong. Maybe their views are totally unbiblical. Maybe some of their views are hostile. Well, what about that? Your enemies. What are enemies? They're hostile. They're against you. They want to destroy you. They want to cancel you. He's saying pray for them. Love them. Now, the problem with that is that it doesn't feel like it will work. Well, if I love them, what's going to happen? They're just going to trample on me. If I don't stand up and I don't be the one to, like, do this, they're going to win, and they shouldn't win. So I can't do that. Well, what we're really saying, it doesn't make sense to my mind, and so I can't obey. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do what? Lean not on your own understanding. We're talking about a different way to live. Jesus wasn't talking about just living your life better. He was talking about living your life completely different. Different than how you think it should be lived. Different than what you think will work. Give, it'll come back to you. Press down, shaking together, running over, right? When we are giving and generous, God pours back into us. That works against common sense. Okay? This is not something that makes sense to your mind. It's faith. It's faith in taking God at his word and believing and then obeying and walking it out and trusting him. How did God win you over? I know that we got drunks in here and addicts. We've got abusers in here. We've got people that have been abused in here. I was an alcoholic. I had all kinds of problems. I used to rip the cupboards off of my walls at my house. I was nuts. How did God win me? He won me by serving me through his spirit. He won me by laying his life down for me on the cross. He won me by loving me and caring for me and putting people around me that constantly loved me and reached out for me. People that would pick me up in a car downtown Portland, drive me out to my house, put me back in my kitchen on the floor, and I wake up in there with 
just my boxers on, nothing else, and have no idea how I got there because I don't even know what I was doing downtown. But he put people in there to love me, find me, pick me up, bring me back, care for me. I wasn't God's friend. I was his enemy. I was hostile to God. I didn't like God. I was angry about God. But it was his kindness that led me to repentance. And what he's saying is, hey, this is what I did. The cross was me showing love to who? My enemies. I laid my life down for my enemies. I did this. And what did it do? It changed history. You want to change history? You want to change your family? You want to change your life? You want to change your community? This is the path that Jesus gives. He gives a path of loving those who are against you, caring for them, going against common sense, continuing to invest in caring for them. That person that just blasted you on social media, is, and they're your neighbor because they're in the neighborhood group, is dropping a gift at their front door. It's saying, hey, you're not going to get me into that battle because I live differently. And it takes time, but people start to say, why do you live like that? There's a patience, there's a waiting. In our culture, in our, our time here in this country, there's the way things run in our time. Everything's fast, fast, fast. We don't have time to wait upon the Lord. We don't have time, Lord, for you to change their heart. I got to go break their heart. I'm fixing this. And then we wonder why we're tired and weary and, and burdened. And those who wait upon the Lord, he will what? Renew their strength. It comes by waiting on him, by doing it his way. By doing it by his spirit. And it's not easy here. It's a letting go and trusting and following God. So let's keep going. Matthew 5.45. It says that you may be children of your Father in heaven. So this, this path, this way shows that we have his DNA, that we're growing up in him, that we are like him. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. Wouldn't that be weird? You wake up in the morning, you look out, and there's like beams of darkness coming down on people, and then beams of light, and people are walking around, and they can't see because they're in the dark. But then the people that are God's children are walking around, and they have light, and they can work on their car, and they can mow their lawn, and they can do stuff, but everybody else is totally in the dark. But God doesn't do that. He pours light out on everybody. Now, he knows some of those people are going to use that light to do wrong. They're going to use those business hours to cheat somebody. They're going to use those night hours to rob somebody, to hurt somebody. He knows that. But he pours his kindness out on them. He pours his love out on them. He keeps giving them opportunity. He keeps, God's not a cancel culture God. He doesn't say, oh, you offended me. You're done. I canceled you. No, he offends, and he keeps pouring himself out. He keeps inviting in. As believers, we're called to live like he lives. He sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. Matthew 5, 46, 47, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Any tax collectors in here? IRS guys? It's in the word. I'm not trying to offend you. I'll just tell you that. But he's saying, look, even the people that are out to get your money and cheat you and do these things, he says, even they can love people that love them. So he's saying this isn't natural. It's different. Totally different. I want to do something different. I wanted you to live in a different way. And he says, and if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. And pagans are just people that are, are, they don't believe in God. They don't follow God. 
saying, don't they do that? Doesn't, you don't need God to just love people to love you. There's a mutual benefit. The mark of God is that you love people that don't add a benefit to your life. That you're still able to love them, care for them, and show that. That's what identifies you as his child. Not just that you made a confession of faith one year ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago, and you got baptized in water. The Bible says that you'll know a tree by its fruit. It's a fruit coming out of your life that you look and go, that is definitely one of God's kids. They live different. In person, in private, and online. Because we're an online culture. That's an extension of who we are. Matthew 5.48, be perfect. Which the standard's not very high. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, the word perfect here actually means whole, complete. Okay, he's saying be complete, be whole, just as your Father is. In other words, think about this. Don't just be someone who says, I love my enemies and cares for people over here. But over here, I don't live like that. Bring it all in and be complete. Actually live and do this. Be this. Let, the, let, let this thing be cooked all the way through. You know, nothing like biting into a nice piece of chicken at someone's house that they just got off the grill and looks amazing. And you realize they cooked it on way too hot and the inside is totally raw. People get hurt and offended and really sick and impacted. And they get a, a food rejection on the word of God, on being fed by the Lord, because they've bitten into believers who are cooked on the outside, but they're not on the inside. From a distance, they look so, man, they got it all. They talk the talk, they do it all, they, boy, they got it. But now that I've gotten to know them, and I've gotten inside a little bit, I say, man, they don't really love people, especially their enemies. And it makes them sick. And I don't want any part of this. I'm out. I'll never touch chicken again. We represent our Father. It's important that we represent Him fully cooked, all the way. Get it in our heart, actually change and live this way. It's something that He meant. You know, I brought this Bible up. And, you know, we're a Bible believing church, right? So we believe that this is true. Okay, the words in here are true. But what if I was to come up and just say, you know what? It's pretty true, but mm, not really into that verse. This one's really good, but man, it's hard. Not really down with that. Now, just, oh, here's a passage. It's Kyle squirming. Waiting for the lightning to come down. If it bothers you more to see pages torn out of this than to not live this, that's a you problem, not a me problem. Because we do this. There's things that are in here that we say, oh, you know, these are true. We tear them out here and here. We don't need to do it here. Because we just ain't living it. I know this is heavy. 
But there's a reason I'm telling you it heavy. It's because the world right now is not playing games. This culture, this world's a mess right now. Everyone's fighting, everyone's hating each other, and it's not just left against right, Democrat against Republican. Because the left fights the left, the right fights the right. Everybody fights everybody. It's a mess. If you don't get grounded and build strength in actually not just reading and not just professing, but actually internalizing and living God's word, you're going to get destroyed. Because you have to build, the Bible says, on the rock. Because when the storm comes, what's built on the sand gets destroyed. But what's built on the rock of God and on his word actually stands through the storm. We've got to do that. Nobody's going to do that for us. You're in charge of building your own house. Lord, I'm build- this is where I'm building. You said this. I'm going to try to do this. Man, it's hard. It is hard. It's hard for me. I have to continually go back. Man, I'm a builder that builds, and then I step back and look at it and go, oh, my gosh. I put a new front door on my house. My mother-in-law lives with us, and she's the one laughing right now. Let's just say I put a new front door on our house. Praise God. Now we use the back door. I don't have the skills that other carpenters have. That's how I, man, my life builds that way, though. I'm constantly saying, Lord, I'm trying to do this, and then I have to go back and apologize because what I built isn't framed well, and I guess i got to redo that. Help me. That's humility. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. It's not that we have to have everything perfect all the time, but we have to constantly be able to look and assess and say, am I living like this or not? And if we're not, then be humble enough and willing enough to say, Lord, adjust me, change me, help me to keep doing this. I want to be more like Jesus next year than I am this year. Every year, that's, Lord, let me be more like you next year than this year. Let me be closer to you. Let me know you more. Let me walk like you more. Let other people see in me more of you. There's things that I would have done or said five years ago that I wouldn't do or say now, and back then I thought I was doing okay, but it's just my interaction, my way. I was like, man, that guy needs some help. Get a time machine and go back and talk to him. (laughs) But we have to be willing to grow and move forward in God, okay? So these are things we have to do. Here's some other things that maybe Jesus didn't really mean. Turn your cheek, walk another mile, give to the one that doesn't have and don't ask for interest. These are references are there. I'm not going to read them all just because of time. So somebody strikes you on one cheek, guess what? Turn the other one. Well, usually that just means you end up with a bruise on both sides. But he's saying, look, don't get into this battle. Well, then who's going to defend me? Well, the Bible's pretty clear. He's our defender. Right? Well, it's coming in like a flood. I'm going to drown in all of this. When the enemy of the Lord comes in like a flood, he will raise up a standard against it. God will do it. It's trusting in the Lord. It's saying, okay. It's this way of living. Someone asks you to carry something for them. The Bible says carry it another mile. Now, what he was talking about there, again, was enemies. Because the person that was asking them to carry would be one of the Roman soldiers or one of the Roman people that were ruling them saying, hey, you, you're worthless. Come carry my stuff. You got nothing better to do today. Well, actually, I'm on my way to work. No, come carry my stuff. Pull them out of their family. Pull them out of their business. Pull them out of their priorities and say, you carry it. And then Jesus is saying, do you know what? Do it, do it an extra mile. But I thought Jesus loved them. Why would he do that? Why wouldn't he defend them? Why wouldn't he free them from that burden? He's freeing them from the burden and the struggle of self. It has to be about me. He said, no, let that go. 
You don't have to be offended. You don't have to always be worried about yourself. I'll worry about you. If he asks you to carry it one, carry it two. And I'm going to take care of you. He's telling us to trust and to rely on him. Don't store your treasure here on earth, the Bible talks about. Matthew, Jesus speaks these words and says to do this. Store them in heaven. Don't store them here. Well, how do you do that? You do that by opening your home, by reaching out, by giving money to the poor, by helping people in need, by taking in a foster kid. You do that all these ways. Do we believe it? Do we believe it enough that we actually live it? And if we do, then people notice that. What's the evangelism plan? Live like Jesus, first of all. It's pretty hard to live like Jesus and not get noticed if you're really doing it because it's so different. Don't worry. Any worriers? I didn't say warriors. I said worriers. Jesus literally said, don't worry. Well, I believe it here, but I don't live like that. So should we just rip it out? Why keep, if we don't live it, why keep it? I like a one-page Bible. It's got just the, like, four verses that I actually live. No, why would he say don't worry? Jackson, bring your basketball up here. I'm really doing this because I just, I've always wanted to do this to him because he keeps talking smack to me now that he's getting bigger. Okay. Thank you, Kyle. I coached him to say that. Listen, so if I'm guarding Jackson, anybody in here ever played basketball or watched it in sports? Okay, watch this. I'm guarding him. He's trying to make a move around me, okay? Now, I'm on defense, okay? All right? Okay, this is a demo, okay? <laughs> and I'm your dad, so be kind. You're pre-grounded. Okay, okay ready? Okay, ready, go. Okay, wait. Is there anything wrong with that? Nope. Every dad in here said I didn't see a problem, right? Okay. If there was a ref in the game, would they have called a foul? Yeah, offensive. But they would have called a foul. Okay? So we'll go again. Okay? All right, ref, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> she sees me beating up her brother. Okay. Be a little less rough on him. Okay? Ready? Go. <laughs> Ref blows a whistle. Now what? All ball. Okay, bring him back. How long do you, th how long do you think he's going to play basketball like this? Okay. Ready? Tip the ball. They go. Okay. Is he going to keep playing? Why? All right. All right, that's good. I love you. Next is the chest bumping thing, and you told me you didn't want to do that part. How long is he going to play? Not very long. Why? Because the game's not fun that way, right? And because somebody gets hurt that way. Right? We don't like the ref that's always calling, a, hey, this is how you're supposed to play. But all the ref is there to do is to say, these are the rules we play by, and why do we have the rules? Keep people safe and make sure that the game is enjoyable. Okay? God has rules in here. They're not meant to destroy your life. They're not meant to be terrible. It's because when you take these out, what happens? Just can't, people just make up their own stuff. 
That's not a foul. No, that is a foul. There's no blood, there's no foul. Well, there's blood, not enough. <laughs> I said blood, not blood. And it just gets out of control. And life becomes untenable. You can't, you can't enjoy it. You can't connect. And so God comes in and says, hey, this is the rule. Blows the whistle. Puts us on the sideline for a minute in life. Something happens, kind of sidelines us. Something's going on. Brings in a mentor or somebody that says, hey, man, you got to change this. This isn't working. You say, well, I want it to work like this, though. Well, you might want it to work like that, but it doesn't. If you keep doing it, you're going to get hurt or you're going to hurt somebody. You're going to hurt your relationships. You're going to hurt your family. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt your community. And so all these things are things that God put in there to help us do this well and to do this right. It says, don't judge others, Matthew 7, 1. That isn't even something you should have put in there because who ever struggles with judging people? That kind of goes unsaid, right? Like, who would even judge anybody? What's so funny is in a culture that prides itself on anyone can do anything they want and it's okay, at least in my lifetime, there's never been a time where people judge each other more. Everyone could do everything they want. Everything's okay. There's nothing wrong. There's no truth. I've never seen more people canceled, ridiculed, mocked, put down than in a supposed culture where there is freedom to do and be whatever you want without judging. But God wants to empower us to really be able to love people without judgment. Does it mean there's no right and wrong? No, there is right and wrong. He's not talking about every action's approvable. But he's talking about, I can look over at somebody, and I can say, man, you are struggling, and but by the grace of God, I would be in that same spot. So I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to try to love you. I'm going to try to help you. I'm going to try to encourage you. Because God did that for me. And now he's given me the opportunity to try to do that for you. And it changes the way we live, but these are the things that Jesus talks about. Not everything you sow will grow. Now, here's, here's the thing. Matthew, Jesus tells a story about the guy, he's throwing the seed. The sower went out to sow, right? And he sowed seed everywhere. And this one fell on rocky ground. This fell in weedy ground. This one fell and the birds picked it up. And then this one fell and it grew. Stop and do the math. 75% at least of what he threw failed. How come God's not blessing me? How come I'm doing these different things and it just doesn't seem to work? I'm discouraged and I'm down. Because well, there's a false gospel out there that says that everything that you do, if you're a follower of God, is just going to work. Boom, bless, succeed. It's not true. We have to sow the ground. We have to work hard. Some of it works. Some of it grows. Some of it doesn't. And we stay faithful, trusting that in the end, God will work it out, that whatever does grow will be fruitful and be blessed. Because even in this story, the crop that finally did grow, it bore more fruit. It multiplied. And there was enough. We don't get discouraged. We have to persevere because we know that God will cause enough increase to provide for us, to take care of us. If he's given you a gifting or an ability in business or in, in uh, the arts or whatever it might be, you say, man, I've been trying and nobody wants to listen to my stuff, nobody wants to hear me or nobody wants to buy my stuff or nobody wants, but God's given you a, a thing there. Well, maybe you've only sown 25 and then 25 and then 25. Don't give up because it's the next 25 where that thing is going to grow. Just keep on believing, man. God, I'm going to keep putting this out there. Why? Because you put it in my heart. And I'm going to keep throwing it out and believe that when it's in the right time and the right season, the right piece of ground, boom, it's going to take off because you're going to bless it. 
I'm going to keep doing my job. I'm going to keep on sewing. He says, my yoke is easy. Well, I went up one there. How did I do that? There we go. I'm going to go through the rest of these fairly fast. But the point here isn't to teach you all the word or even to teach me all the word. The point is to just lead you to water. Get in the word and really read what we believe and say, man, Lord, help me live this. It'll change your life. And it'll start changing lives around you. Keep praying, keep asking. Treat others like you want to be treated. Matthew 7, 14 talks about the difficulty that the way is narrow and difficult. And there's few that find it. And I thought following Jesus would be easy. No, he didn't read Jesus' words because that's not what he said. He said his yoke would be easy, his burden would be light, yes. In other words, if you come with me, I'm not going to make you carry too heavy of a load, but the path that we're going on is difficult. Okay, I'm going on a hike. I'm not going to make you carry a huge heavy backpack to weigh you down, but it's a little steep. There's some stuff to climb over. You're going to have to work at this. You can build on rock or sand. We already talked about that. In Matthew 9, 12, they were ridiculing Jesus for hanging out with sinners. And he said, well, it's the sick that need a doctor. So this is who I'm with. These are the people that need my help. Mercy is better than sacrifice. You know, the sacrifice, you come in and you're like, Lord, I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to fast. Or I'm not going to watch this. Or I'm not going to do that. Or I'm going to give this money. All these things. In this passage, Jesus said mercy is better than that. Seeing somebody hurting, somebody in need, instead of judging them, being hard on them, having mercy and showing mercy is better than all that other stuff. Because God wants us to have his heart and to reflect his heart. That's what, we, that's what our job is here. Our life is short. We're supposed to point and lead other people to Jesus in the limited time that we have here. He allows bad people in church. Well, here's a good one. Matthew 13, 29, he talks about sowing. And this enemy comes in and sows weeds among the crop. And the crop grows up, and now he's got his wheat, and he's got all these weeds. And somebody comes and says, Master, what happened? Like there's weeds in there now. Your enemy must have done this. Do you want us to pull all the weeds out? And he says, no, leave them. Because if you tear out the weeds now, some of the wheat will get torn out with it. But wait, and when the harvest comes, we'll fix it on the threshing floor when we separate it all out after it's been harvested. So why go to church and there's some people in there that just aren't good people? If God started pulling everybody out that wasn't serious or wasn't real or didn't have a real heart for it and they were just playing games or manipulating or doing whatever, there's people around them that are still being ministered to that could really be hurt. And so God says, you know what? I'm going to watch over you, protect you. They can stay there and I'll deal with them when the time comes and I'm face to face with them. I'm going to deal with it. And so we don't expect everybody in church to be perfect. Jesus had his limited crew of disciples, people, followers right around him, right? And one of those was a betrayer, Judas. And so God does allow some of that, but it's not to hurt us. It's because he knows if he was to just start yanking all of that, all those people, that there's other people that actually really be hurt or be devastated. They would have a really negative impact on their life. So in, in his care for others, he's like, okay, I'm going to hold, and we're going to deal with this when it's the right time. 
you have to sell out and be all in. It's Matthew 13. It talks about selling everything to go and buy that pearl of great price. Finds a treasure and have to get rid of all this stuff and be all in to get this. And this is the last one that I'm going to talk about today. I know for a fact that this is one that some people here need to hear. Your family and your old crowd won't understand you. And that's okay. If you've come out of addiction or you've come out of like a, a rough lifestyle or you come out of something, you know, and you were, used to be this way and now you've changed and you're following God and you're changing, you're going to have a lot of haters. It's not real. You know, oh, they're a fake. Oh, I knew them when they were this age. Like, you'll have that. And I've seen a lot of people's lives ruined because they keep waiting for those old people to approve them and say that they're being better. But Jesus talked about Matthew 13 that a prophet's not, not respected in their hometown. Like, in your hometown where you were, people don't always see that change. They don't always know that it's there. And so Jesus, this, is, this, this only goes to Matthew 13. It's like half of Matthew. Just Jesus' words are in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There is so much that Jesus just literally had to say about how not only to be saved and go to heaven, but how to live here. That if you'll dig in and really say, okay, I say I follow Jesus, what's that actually mean? Lord, how do you want me to live? And just start reading his word and saying, how can I apply this in my life? How can I make this in my life? And we start there and allow God to change us to be more like him. Guess what happens? We start to see the change around us. The temptation, especially right now, is to just go out here and try to force change on everybody else. It makes me uncomfortable or doesn't think what I think. But Jesus' plan in his way is to start here within us and just really commit to living after him and then he talks about that we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. And he begins to bring change through our lives. He can be trusted. It may not seem like it. It may seem like if I live that way, I'm just going to get taken advantage of. Things aren't going to work out well for me. I got to get up and fight for myself. God can be trusted. If you live his way, he can be trusted to bring your life into a place of blessing and to bring people around you into a place of blessing, into a place of safety and strength. If you trust him and do it his way. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. God, we pray that you would help us, Lord, in not only hearing it, but God, stir up a hunger in us to get in and get to know Jesus, get to know your word, to get to know, Father, how you'd have us live. Lord, and to, God, really be the change, Lord, that we want to see, Lord, as it's been said before. God, that we would actually just take that to heart, Lord, and say, man, I'm going to start just little by little, step by step, just trying to be, just live more like this. And then trust you, Lord, with the outcome. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, if you are here uh, for the first time and you don't know, across the hallway we do food and drinks and stuff like that. So you can head over there and uh, stick around, make some friends. This is church, like service, we share the word and stuff, but it's really about community and connection. And that doesn't just happen up here, but love on each other, make connections. This week, we have community groups on Tuesday nights. There's one at my house. There's one at uh, Kyle and Jenna's house. Uh, there's also uh, Theology Thursday on Thursday night uh, here at the church and youth groups on Wednesday. So we got youth, bring them there. And then every, it's, on, it's on the second and fourth Wednesdays. And then this blue box back here, uh, that's where you can put in tithes and offerings. If you have money to give, this place doesn't run on air. It runs on money. 
Um, so we can actually do the foster closet stuff, do the outreach stuff, do all the things that we do. So you can give it in the box, you can give online. Thanks for being here, guys. We love you. Have a good day. Visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.